0: Welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, hosts and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. Hey there, Bridge the Divide community. Welcome back. Um, it's been a little bit since we've podcasted, so we felt like we owed you something. And, and we've got a guest here that I think will make it worth your while. We have Rhonda Hill with us today. Hey, Rhonda. Good morning. <laughs> um, Rhonda was a speaker for us at uh, the beginning of our season this year. And um, she talked to us about race and faith. And if you didn't make it, lucky you, we might have a little bit that uh, she's going to share with us on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) So, Rhonda, tell us about yourself. Well, I am Rhonda Hill. I am, uh, and I do kind of like that question, because most people are like, oh, tell me about yourself. They start off all of your jobs and all that kind of stuff. I really narrowed that out of my life quickly. I'm a mom. Mom is good. Of a Uh, (laughs) Mm six-year-old. That's how I feel. (laughs) Um, I am... I see myself as a conduit. I like to connect uh, people Mm -hmm. and connect also people to their passions. And so I try to, I think live that through the different jobs that I've done and see myself and be in that connector space. Um, I love to travel. And I like to drink tea, okay. which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Oh those yeah, we're going to talk later. about the tea. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and of course, I know we're going to get to a little bit of my racial justice work. Yes, but, yeah. Um, that's a little bit about me. Now I do do some crocheting, but I'm nowhere near you. <sighs> Erica does beautiful work. Oh, I don't know if she's ever talked crochet. about that at all, but she does beautiful it's work. My happy place, and mine is still at like K five. Okay, well, I should, That's not even fair. It's probably some K 5 verse that's out there killing right. the crochet and game. Like, Who are you, Robert? right? Can you can you speed it up? <laughs> that's all right. We can work on that too. Right. We can work on that too. <laughs> yes, and the way that we connected was through. Um, I think it was a race and faith. Um, Discussion that you had where you were speaking and somebody invited me and I met you and then I knew that you were connected through the Lutheran Church, uh, Faith Lutheran Church here in Cedarburg, so um, we connected that way. So your connections are, are working and interfaith. The dinners. How about we start? How about we start with interfaith and okay. and how that um, how that came about and what they what you do. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, interfaith is actually also tied to my race and faith. Is it okay? Actually, um, in, in this way. So I was working. I worked for. Um, the the Greater Milwaukee Synod okay. of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Uh, <laughs> Long title for <laughs> um, seven years, and it just came to my time to to leave. Mm-hmm. And so, during that time while we were there, the while I was there, we. Engaged with interfaith activities and so it was a prayer breakfast it's an annual prayer breakfast that the mayor has Mm -hmm. in Milwaukee and so I was there and Tom the uh, previous executive director was there and I went up to him and said hey Tom I'm leaving my job here at the senate but I really appreciated interfaith and I just wanted you to know that I appreciated that connection Uh and he offered me this job ah. so it was just just like that and mm-hmm. and and this is it, it sounds just like that but actually i had um applied for a fellowship maybe a year previous to this okay to be able to do um some racial justice work, but grounded in interfaith and create a right. uh, interfaith way at looking at uh, and talking about racism, right. Um, right, but I didn't get the fellowship, Okay, um, but I wanted more interfaith exposure. So I put that out there mm-hmm. and God answered mm-hmm. and right. didn't even think I was going to get that job. So that's how interfaith was tied into my racial justice work okay. is wa- I wanted that uh, interfaith experience and just simply telling Tom thank you <laughs> he offered me a that job it. so right. I am currently the program director for interfaith dialogue we have a program called amazing faith dinner dialogue right another long right <laughs> time where people get together in each other's homes Eight to 12 people usually across faiths or religious ideas have a vegetarian meal, no alcohol. Mm-hmm. A moderator is there to help uh, facilitate these conversations, which are really grounded in more like themes. Religious themes could be like faith, mm-hmm. um, forgiveness. Love, charity, evil, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. these ideas that people have around those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also do larger group gatherings. We did um, a group gathering at the Rep Theater after a play, and that was like 400 people. Oh my. I think mm-hmm. that was the largest one we've done mm-hmm. to date. And mm-hmm. so uh, that work is definitely uh, near to me. And, right. and again, a, a true a part of who I am and keep placing me in that connector position where I'm right, able to still. Right. Um, connect other people to other right. ideologies, help people get, I think, more grounded in their own ideas about mm-hmm, faith mm-hmm. and spirituality. And just by talking about it, because I, I've been to two, I think I've been to, and it really, first, I feel like it solidifies community. It feels like such a community gathering. You don't necessarily know anybody in the room. Right. But that you can ask questions. You can, you know, give your opinions about things. And this is not some hot ugly debate that's on no. tv it's a it's a conversation you're having dinner mm-hmm. it, it's really a, um i think it was a very good connection with the people that i had there and then most of us have a connection after that dinner so i i really liked it i that's enjoyed cool. it mm-hmm. that's cool i always tell people you know it takes us deeper than how was the weather or your correct. favorite sports team. correct you know it kind con- it just launches you right into right deep more philosophical conversation. Right, right, right. Which I think a lot of people are thirsty for that. Right, right. And you have the moderator, so it's guided. So it's Mm -hmm. not like you have to go there and go, what am I going to talk about today? It's there and and a guided conversation. I like it. Yeah, we have 30 question cards. So Uh you only get to answer your question. Uh So I think that that does help a lot. It's not you have to be the resident theologian. Right. Nobody is. That's Nobody true. has to be. It's your life, your experience, and how you so want to So how it. how would somebody um, get in contact if they wanted to be a part of a, an oh, Amazing faith Dinner? Well, you can go to our website, okay. interfaithconference.org. Um, you can also email me, Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A-H, at org. So... And um, I will put those on the show notes yeah, too. So absolutely, I, we're always looking for more people to be mm-hmm. engaged, more non Christians. <laughs> yes, that that is the to other be engaged. Yes, <laughs> right, right. That that's the thing. If we're if we're working on trying to learn about different things and each other, when you are the majority, yeah, you know, it's a little hard to learn about the other. yeah and i mean it's again like you know like racism when wanting to have these um dialogues and conversations across race mm-hmm. it's oftentimes can be more difficult to get those that have been traditionally oppressed to mm-hmm. be engaged in those conversations and it's it's the same way here with Christianity being the dominant right. um, religion here in the United States and those people who belong to other faith groups don't always know or feel like their voice is really welcomed or their right. perspective and that's one thing I really do love and appreciate about interfaith because we're saying everybody is um, your opinion from uh, atheist to the most devout whatever mm-hmm. we want to hear your perspective so right. we're celebrating our 49th annual luncheon this December 5th um, and the, the theme is go beyond coexist so Ooh. it's not that we just want to coexist together mm-hmm. we really want to celebrate everybody we're not just trying to tolerate you um, we want to see you And let you know we see you. We value you. What you bring, we all really, we need and we want to know more about it. And so I'm excited about... Where we're going and what we're hoping to do, right? Um, throughout the Greater Milwaukee area, so check like us out. It. Right, right. Okay, so I'll keep that. I'll have that on interfaith. the show. <laughs> interfaith is in there, yes. and now slide us over to race and faith. race and faith. Yes, and so like I said before, my interfaith work, really, and getting engaged with that came out of my race and faith work okay. already, wanting to expand race and faith and my knowledge base um, around faith perspectives as it relates to racism. Mm -hmm. So race and faith came basically from me um, spending a couple years at the YWCA in Mm -hmm. Milwaukee. They have a course called unlearning racism, another plug there for Mm -hmm. YWCA and that course unlearning racism. Check it out if you have the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But doing that, um, I worked also at my other job, the Greater Milwaukee Senate, and so as part of my time with the YWCA, we would cycle in a couple folks from the Lutheran Church um, into those courses. And so just over time, um, after doing that and being there and and. and st- you know, still being inside of my faith community. I just real, I felt after uh, wrapping up there that it was still space uh, needed to be created for people of faith to really get engaged into these conversations about racism. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to allow faith to have a center seat. Okay. So oftentimes when we do have conversations about racism or we're doing some anti-racism talks, um, Faith and people's belief systems aren't always um, really engaged in that. And I really believe that we have to get at the heart of people's beliefs because racism isn't logical, right? We we approach it from, um, you know, a more logical, um, higher thinking um, uh, exercise. And while I'm not against, you know, educating Mm -hmm. and challenging people to, you know, Think deeper about some things. Really, we know people get in really gauged in this emotional space, and that's not rational. Uh-huh. You know that's what true. I'm saying? That's true. It's not always rational. People's belief systems aren't always rational. Right, right. Um, and even, I think, even in that, using people's belief systems, we can either challenge them to go deeper and change, mm-hmm. or also challenge them to rise up and really be advocates. And be a part of the change that really needs to happen in the right, world. Right. Right. So silence is not is not uh, acting. I mean, well, silence is an action. Is the, an action that action yeah. is saying that I really I may not agree, but I'm not willing to step in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. I think one, knowing people's faith perspectives and where how their faith is engaging them mm-hmm. in racism, whether their faith is encouraging racist behaviors right. or their faith is. Um, giving them power to fight racist behaviors, I think getting getting at that with people, I think that can charge them up in in a different way. Because mm-hmm. really, our work is about bringing, allowing people to bring them their full selves to the conversation right. Right. about racism. Um, another thing I've also noticed with working with people of faith, primarily being in the working with Christians, mm-hmm. is that it becomes easier for people to see in the outside world how. Uh, racism is happening like mm-hmm. you could can, you can mention like oh don't drink at that water fountain because you're you're black mm-hmm. and people can see that as not right or you may think about what's happening with immigration you may feel some conviction but they can't really see how their own religious institutions are perpetuating racism right, right, right and so I I take some time with my work and try to really help people say okay now let's turn around and look look inward and see how are the the positions we hold and have power over are actually creating some of the same racial prejudices that right. we don't like right right all righty all right Rhonda. we're gonna have to go over to a break and we'll be back shortly talking about some myths and realities that Rhonda can tell us about We are back with Rhonda Hill. Um, Rhonda was um, our guest for Bridge the Divide at the beginning of this season. And one of the things that we talked about during that um, session was about myths versus reality. So either tied with race alone or race and faith, you were trying to get us to identify myths that we've heard and of course, you hear it over and over and over again. Then you think it's actually true and it's historical, when it's really just a myth. Can you touch on some of that again? Yeah, um, I <clears throat> I started with this whole thought around myth. Basically, myth making and what we do with that. Um, Actually, that came from a conference I went to a couple years ago Mm. where a presenter talked about myth making and whitewashing. And I really grabbed onto that and started doing a research project around that uh, for my last year in seminary. I graduated last year from the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago. All right, all right. We were graduating, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that work really became um, interesting to me, and I wanted to really look more into. What what does that look like? What does the myth-making look like? What does the whitewashing look like? And what is that doing to our collective memory? Mm -hmm. Um, And so going through that, that was more specific to, I was looking at how was that happening in the Lutheran church specifically, okay. but it is a way that I like to talk about it with all groups. So right. even when I talked earlier this year, in Madison um, to the group there, which is a mental health uh, facility. Um, well, it was a mental health organization. Okay. They were investigating work racism in the workplace. So okay. it's what myths are at work here. Mm-hmm. And really these myths help keep white supremacy going mm-hmm. and that's the core of it. it as we talked about when I was with you right, it's like right. how are these myths or the stories that we're telling about ourselves right. or other people right how are they actually helping to keep whiteness mm-hmm. in place which therefore keeps white supremacy in place mm-hmm. um, and so really doing that work is I think that's kind of at the core right, of what right. we really need to do is it. it's because it's, it's so easy. We we hear, like you said, we hear these stories over and over again. Or we tell these things to ourselves over and over again, mm-hmm. either about ourselves or other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whitewashing of mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. We put the... A, a, a white gloss over it all, and not really thinking about well, what's what's really behind that. Right, right. So we try to get at that, and right. over time, then that adds to our collective memory. Right, and you know, and we've had a lot of time. You know, we're the people that we're working with. We we don't have a lot of young people that are coming. We'd love to have more coming, but we are middle age people. We are um, seniors over sixty and seventy. So it's it feels basically impossible when you try to. Separate a myth from the truth to have me believe that I believe in. I've been believing this for fifty years. What do you mean it's not true? And who are you to tell me it's not Mm -hmm. true? You must have an agenda, and that's why you're telling this to me. Because my mom, my grandma, all of my family has said this. All of my history books have said this. My founding fathers have said this. It must be true. And how do you get? My new word this this year is social capital. How do you have the (laughs) social capital to have people? believe you when you're trying to get them to separate the myth from the reality? Well, let me, how I'm going to say this tactfully. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm interested more so Mm -hmm. um, right now in creating a collective memory that's empowering for Black people. Yes, more so than trying to convince non-Black people, uh-huh. because we've been that's done a, a tremendous <laughs> disservice in what we've been taught and, and able to know about ourselves. Okay. So, for example, let's take Rosa Parks. Mm-hmm. The story of her. Mm-hmm. Most times, Rosa Parks is depicted as a senior citizen, yeah, right. Who was on the bus, right? She wasn't a senior citizen. She was not but most times that's how she's depicted uh-huh, right uh-huh. that's for a reason that's a myth now why so mm-hmm. then let's we started. let's unpack that mm-hmm. you know i would mm-hmm. like to try to that's the kind of things where I, what i see as a long standing myth mm-hmm. that's been out there mm-hmm. that we've all bought into mm-hmm. um what's the why was that ever why did that ever happen so then that's where you do the critical thinking around okay. it. Okay. and then saying like look <laughs> it, we as Black and brown people, we have valuable stories yep. that are important to the landscape of this country. Mm-hmm. We have to take back our own stories. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, that's undoing the whitewashing Uh when we take back our stories and we tell them correctly and we believe them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we're the ones who really we need to believe them because they will empower us. Others may become frightened by that. That's on the back end. We can deal with that later. But the front end, let's tell a more honest story again, creating those collective memories for ourselves Mm -hmm. and our children that then help us forecast a better future. And the way we tell our stories in the future you know because right now it's the well you like social capital I like that too (laughs) but I also have glommed onto the word of when people say the white gaze oh uh uh-huh because I feel like right now the white gaze is so strong on us well it Uh has been forever it's like we have to get beyond that yeah and I think that's that comes with how we begin to tell our stories and create our stories and put them into the and tell them into the future for our for our children. Hey, right, right. Know? And focusing Was that tactful enough? It was. I think okay. that was lovely. <laughs> See? But but focusing on when you're a, a black person cuz here here I am. If you're a yes. black person that's in mostly white spaces, being able to focus on on your history, your story that's not the the pity me story because right. I've had this and this has gone wrong and you should feel sorry for me. Right. But it's taken me to be middle age to see what I'm missing in the community of other black people that we can have. Our conversations are different. Our storytelling, our accomplishments, our, it's, it's a different kind of vibe. And I've also found that in, um, your not, is it not your mama's tea? Yes. Going to, to that function and being around people that are in the same place, not always being the only standing out in a place sure but having a community of people that that look like you that work like you that have grown up like you and to be in that community space was really empowering and so tell me about how you came to start not your mama's tea right well not your mama's tea is definitely a love child (laughs) um again I like to travel Mm -hmm. I am a tea drinker and so whenever I travel I would go to different tea houses. And mm-hmm. so uh, maybe five years ago now I was at a tea house in Arizona <laughs> And in Arizona, as soon as you go through this, the doors, Carefree Arizona, you go through the door. There's a queen mother cut out there to greet you. Okay. Um, very English in, in all of the, all of its glory. Okay. The ladies sitting <laughs> around the table. Pickies they got their up. little teapots. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. they got on the, the little hats. And i was like, oh, this is so cute. Uh-huh. I want to join in. Uh-huh. So I got my little seat and I found out that there was hats in a trunk around the corner. So everybody, if Put you want to go in, get your hat and you mm-hmm. have your whole little tea time. And it was lovely. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I appreciate. Obviously, I have appreciation for other cultures if I'm a part of interfaith. Right. But I also said, you know what? I want to do and create something like this that's reflective of my own culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's how Not Your Mama's Tea came oh. came about. So it is from you know. Traveling and seeing and getting the grasp of English tea time uh-huh. that I wanted to do more of a hip hop, uh-huh. uh, not so high tea. Uh-huh. You really don't have high tea. <laughs> well, and some of that tea, I was like, oh, this is grown up tea. Oh I no, it is grown up tea. Now I'm gonna have the other tea over there. I need the baby tea. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do have my tea teenies, which is a little tea and a little liquor, but uh-huh. it is very grown up in tea because I try to. Um, I'm a tea drinker, uh-huh. so it's not just like oh, we've had a bag in- of tea. No. No, <laughs> we gonna have some. We are gonna drink some quality tea, right? right. Um, in the porcelain, in all the yeah. different teacups that oh, were yeah. just beautiful. It was very yeah, nice. Yeah. So I, I do have some of that because tea also. That's what makes tea different from coffee. I tell people, a tea is an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tea lovers and people they want they want that whole experience and that time to to steep right. the tea, right. sip the tea, and just kind of relax. You right. Know? right. 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 Um, and I went with my adult, one of my daughters. Yeah. So that experience of Bonding and going out and having tea in our beautiful cups and and the teas that were steeping, you had the descriptions of what they were, and so we're smelling them and talking about. It, it was just a really nice, Good. nice I'm experience. So glad. I like mm-hmm. hearing that. Yes, I didn't get to go to the Colorado tea. Oh yeah, that was enough yeah. a for real fancy that was tea my house. my other yeah. My <laughs> tea and travel. I'm I'm hoping to grow that more. But yes, we did uh, a local tea shop, their Whittier Tea Shop, which is owned by Ethiopian woman. That was more of like the hip hop high mm. tea we had the vibes the the mm-hmm. laid back r music mm-hmm. and tea taste and all but it was more casual of course more to the nacho mama's tea style uh-huh. and then we went to boulder to the dunshamby tea house which oh. was very much so high tea time okay um but it was beautiful gorgeous we loved that too i mean i can i can get down with the fancy <laughs> too i could kick up my heels right too get i like both. i want on. the option though i right. want the option to do right both. right and, and, just, and the tea not culture not excluding excluding anybody saying oh. well you can can't be here because you're not high high brow right right no right. no and that tea is meant to be intergenerational yes. and cross races yes, uh, yes. with my Nacho mama's tea definitely it just yeah. celebrates hip-hop r&b okay. black culture all righty okay let's go for another break and we're gonna come back and talk some more about your travels Erica and Rhonda are going to wrap up this segment with some talk about travel. Uh, we've already heard uh, Rhonda tell us about what a, a travel bug she caught. Mm-hmm. And I do know that you've done some some uh, traveling in Alabama and in Ghana. Tell us about your traveling. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna link this travel experience to the conversation about collective memory. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And trying to create a more honest uh storytelling for myself and hopefully for my son so this year kind of unbeknownst to me i think it was probably planned out there in the larger spirit world (laughs) for me to have this journey so earlier this year i went to alabama okay um i went for a conference but while we were there we did uh selma birmingham montgomery Mm. and historical places for the civil rights movement Mm. um and also looking at some of the atrocities that mm-hmm. happened to those who were enslaved, and then after um, enslavement with the lynchings mm-hmm. and, and the other terror that right. happened to us, right? right? So this conference, a religious conference, I was there getting my church on, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but also learning about uh, just history, right? Our 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 lived history, or right. um, well, lived history for for some of our folks that are right, still around. Right, so the right. beautiful thing about this trip there was that I did this trip with uh, some seminarians um, as well as it was seniors there. So one of our first nights of worship, we were in the 16th Street Baptist Church and we worshiped there and we opened up service singing a national anthem I'm just right I bet the black the black national anthem okay let me clear that up the black I'm just bawling and then we get to that last line everybody just raised the black fist and just I'm like (laughs) right just being there I mean we've all heard about it and we and you cry when you see stories about it but to be there and having that worship experience on top of learning you know about the bombings and hearing that so that kind of kicked off this experience and then we went to selma Mm -hmm. we did the um the voting rights museum uh-huh, there uh-huh. i learned so much there um our tour guide was 11 years old and he showed us how they were locked up you know at 11 years old mm. he was locked up um and just talking about that whole time experience and we met another woman there who was 11 years old doing the civil rights who, who does tours okay that um i'm definitely i've already booked her for when we go back but when we go okay to do that okay. story again um and that was just beautiful a beautiful thing for me is like listening to um the Stories being in these these memorable places, right. and standing there next to me was an older black person, right. and looking at their face is that's what moved me. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Okay, God, I hear you. I need to add this to my racial justice work." Right, right. Um, which topped it off is going to Montgomery, going to the lynching Museum, mm-hmm. going to the museum from slavery to mass incarceration, and that you know people were walking out of that. Mu- Uh, slavery to massacre, just boohooing yeah just yeah you know one of the chilling things is once you come through you start they start with slavery and what it looks like in Mm -hmm. alabama and specifically montgomery Mm -hmm. and so then it's like um holograms of those who were enslaved popping up and telling Telling their stories. stories oh wow chilling oh man it's like yeah. Hold me, <laughs> yeah. And then we go over to the to the memorial right. with the the lynching memorial, right? And again, just after that, uh crying, mm. of course, but also feeling like amazing um feelings of the re- resilience, right? And right, like you know, they try to squash us, right? Coming and going right. so right. many ways, right? Right, and to know we still made it through, not only. Just made it through, it's thriving right, in some way. Right, you know? right. I think that's something we've talked about is missing in schools, not just the facts of history, because the history is glossed over, but when you talk about the people who are descendants of slaves from slavery till their, all their descendants fighting. Mm -hmm. yes these things happen but they fought all the way continually just fighting always fighting it always fighting fighting today And that's a whole nother topic how that how that fighting makes you tired (laughs) yes um (laughs) but also going to ghana i feel like ghana like completed the story for me without Try not to be get too like crying <laughs> and being be inaudible you, here, right? But Ghana completed the story for me. Mm. Going there, um, a pl- trip I've always wanted to do. So I turned forty this year, yes, and for I 40. knew for my fortieth that was where I needed to go. I've okay. been wanting to do this trip for years, right. okay, like right. over ten years. But I, I, I knew I'm coming forty. I have to do this, and then they did the the celebrating the year of return. Oh, all that's year right. Long. It was the four hundredth oh. starting this year. Earlier this year, Ghana's been. Doing Doing activities right. since January. Right. Coined the year of return, mm-hmm. four hundred years commemorating mm-hmm. resilience. Mm-hmm. And so Planning with my friends, I went with another a young lady. We just looked at the calendar and knew that this week in, in August was the week to go. Because right. That was when they did the August 20th. Right, that was the actual... Yes, so we had this big commemoration. It's called Jamestown to Jamestown. And mm-hmm. NAACP had a plane load of folks that came over mm-hmm. from Jamestown, Virginia to Jamestown, Accra. And it was just massive. It was so soul healing. Um... It's it's just it was just beautiful um going through that ceremony because a couple of days before that we had went through the castles where they had enslaved uh, and the the place where the they had to take their last separated. bath oh before gosh. being branded and sold off and so being in Ghana and hearing the stories mm-hmm. there of what what our people had to endure before they even came to the States, Mm. then to only come to the States and endure. I just said, Lord, Mm -mm. we are some awesome, awesome, awesome people. (laughs) And that is the story that we need to tell again, that, how our, our collective memory right. and what we're being told to think about right. people who were enslaved is like, they've been made to look like the evil people. Right. It's something right. wrong with you. Cause that happened to you. Right. right. Versus how strong, resilient, Still creative. Mm-hmm. Out of all of that, ugly. out of all of that ugly. Yep. You forget making a lemon made out right. of lemons. <laughs> we taking quilts. <laughs> we taking old work clothes. Yep. And making beautiful quilts. Okay, it's it's just that that god likeness in us, Uh that creative piece of God that I feel God specifically gave to us because He knew we was gonna need it. Yeah, Yeah. and that keeps showing up and showing out for us and taking us over so many valleys. Right, you know, up to mountaintops, really. And you did it, and you felt all this, and now you're going to share it with us. those oh, of yeah. us who weren't able to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And who still have not been to Ghana or Benin or to any right. any of the places yes. that I want to go. So you're not going to take us there, but you are going to take us hopefully, to Alabama. Hopefully Ghana will be You'll one, one of those. Okay. I, that's definitely on my list. Make sure I'm on screen so, th- <laughs> uh, Absolutely. So... In spring next year, March 2020, we're doing a trip. I'm calling the Faith and Freedom Tour, where we are um, taking an intergenerational trip, right. bus trip from Milwaukee to Birmingham, Selma, and uh, Montgomery. Again, visiting those historic sites, having the the conversations we need to have. Again, right. the myths, right? White supremacy, right? And Looking at the collective story and hopefully creating a more honest, more truer right. collective memory right. that we can begin to to maybe write uh, with the young and the old, right. so that they can they can those conversations right. look different than if we're all forty year olds talking together, right. eighteen year olds talking together. To have right. that that cross-generational conversation it, it has to be, be huge. it has to be intergenerational mm-hmm. to me because it obviously it's more young people being enlisted by white supremacists these days mm-hmm. and i think that's because we're not telling a true true story we're not that's telling true. we're and we're not engaging the young people in, right. in real conversations about right. racism and about the history of of racism in right. the united states and globally right. what's been happening how how colonization's been happening imperialism is still happening today right those are some real honest conversations that we need to have and i think when we take these kinds of trips together this is time nobody can escape we're all right. going to be on that bus together right, right. we will have booing and crying <laughs> together hopefully we'll have some exercises i want to do reflections each night yeah. to really help people think about what they experienced what they saw what they heard and give some introverts some time right to be to themselves right, right. To, right. Process. to process all of that yeah, yeah, i can't yeah. imagine even the pictures that i've seen of of the lynching museum that's not what's the proper name for the lynching museum the national memorial for peace and justice thank you (laughs) i i but just seeing the pictures of it yeah so much emotion and so much just the like a real deep visceral Mm -hmm. reaction to seeing that i can't imagine when I see it in person, right? Well, I'm going to need some time. <laughs> right? So I'm <this laughs> not trip, talking about it, just feeling it. I, yeah, This trip is March 14th through the 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have enough, people we will do it again following that March right. 21st through the 27th. Open to anybody. Open you to don't anybody. have to be a part of any particular group or mm-hmm. church or f- everybody is, is right. welcome if, to come. If you're looking to really explore... Um, racism in the States and see how your faith um, is a part of that and Mm -hmm. can help you through it and help us into our next chapter um this trip is for you Mm -hmm. and if you can't come on this trip you can always sponsor a young adult or a senior citizen right again because i want both generations there to really um get at some of these things i think again that's what i think was so helpful for me Mm -hmm. i'm there i'm seeing Mm -hmm. elders who i know they lived this time period right um just being there I didn't even have to ask them a lot of questions they talk right right you know right right. um but that was what really just kind of opened my heart even more so to say like you know we we need to do this it was that was transformative for me so much Mm -hmm. so that I'm offering this experience right and so that's the thing I'm hoping that after this experience some more transformation will happen right. right now we're reading some books we're reading um the underground Railroad by colson uh, okay. whitehead okay um the ne- next book we're reading is just mercy by okay. brian stevenson mm-hmm. so i'm encouraging people who are coming Start with those right, two books, and right. we, we'll try to meet up. Um, and th- we had one book meet up already. We'll have another one. Okay. Um, Tell me where they can go to get more information, your website, get more information and yes. sign up or say yeah. I'm interested. You can contact me at raceandfaith.org. Um, You can email me, Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, at raceandfaith.org. We're on Facebook, Mm -hmm. um, Race and Faith. You can like us, please do, on Facebook. You can find me and and like me on, uh, I'm on on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, Mm -hmm. and I'm on LinkedIn, Rhonda Hill. Um, And you can call me. Right. (laughs) <laughs> just, you, you can, can call, just call me, you up. can text me. Yes, cuz I know people have questions and I I'm, right. I'm good with that. My right, number right. is 414-736-0523. Um I would definitely it, people who are, you know, really seeking and on a genuine quest for mm-hmm. um racial justice. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you, but also I want to encourage you to be a part of this trip next spring. Right. And um, we are. I, w- I do want to mention, too, that we're traveling by bus. Yeah. So I think that's another way of building community and building relationships, because it's not just we're going to be inside of a museum together. We're going to be on this bus ride together and giving time to talk and be in community right I think that's a so bring your snacks right make sure you have (laughs) snacks Rhonda is not providing snacks for you bring your your (laughs) hydration this is great and I will again I'll have all of those links in the show notes Um, we have a flyer that we've posted up a few times so if you're on the uh, bridge the divide uh, Facebook page or on the Instagram we've got some flyers up there to encourage some people to join Rhonda thank you so very much much. I think this is going to be one that you're going to have to listen to a few times uh bridge community and and get all the information out of it and um until the next time thank you very much (laughs) bye-bye Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken Word Artist Propaganda states, we need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor, it's probably toxic to me too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us info at bridgethedivide.life or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community and on Instagram it's Bridge the Divide Podcast.